Welcome to the Anti-Woke Podcast. Let's roll. Yeah, what do we got for crime? A University of Georgia nursing student woman was jogging and I think she was killed with a knife. And, you know, she was young and good looking and so the media covers that. They get to put her picture up there. Uh, and the guy who killed her was a migrant. So I didn't have the guy's picture, but I think I think ABC News and NBC Nightly News both mentioned that fact. They didn't have to. They did. I think they're starting to see which side of their bread is buttered, that they can look around for murders caused by migrants and that people want to hear about that. And there may be a weekly supply of it. And I think it was Friday night's episode, ABC World News Tonight. I think that's what it's called. That's the one owned by Disney. And I, I think they're more woke, but you know, it's probably just my bias. I'm, I'm looking for it. I don't know if I'm. you find it when you look for it or if it's really there. But they had a segment about a bunch of migrants, migrants attacking each other and stabbing each other and maybe getting arrested or they're looking for them. It was all in Times Square in New York. Sounds like a mildly hairy place right now. But what was interesting was there was no video of it. I mean, you know, they're not going to pass up a good video of a migrant, like, attacking some cops like we had the other week. Um, But this one was just, I don't know, just a voiceover. A bunch of migrants cutting loose. Really feeling like America is their home and they can, whatever, take off their shoes and do what they want. So they really didn't have to run that story, but they did, so that's interesting. And there was a couple of students killed in a college dorm, I guess, last week, and I think they caught the guy, and this week the nightly news programs showed the guy's face. It was a black guy. Maybe with all these media outlets going out of business, the nightly news programs are like, we better put every salacious crime story front and center on our program, otherwise we're going to go out of business too. So I'm currently a little bit obsessed with this idea that everyone who is woke is going to lose their job because of the internet and smartphones and social media and AI. You know who's not going to be needed? Teachers. You know, AI can be a personal teacher to each student. There goes all the universities. And there's this thing where, at least lately, organizations equals woke. Like a one-man band podcast like this, I can say whatever the hell I want, but if I had to start hiring people, you know, if I got, if I started, if you guys started sending me a ton of money, please do, although I don't have a way for you to do it, and then I'm hiring people, and then I hire someone to do a show on Monday, and then I get so big I gotta hire an HR department, and then they gotta hire black people because that's the law in Oregon, basically, when the anti-woke podcast organization got big enough, had enough people in it, we'd get woke too. So let's say in an organization, you got a few woke, you know, a small percentage of the people are super woke, small percentage of the people are anti-woke, and then most of the people are in the middle and don't care. Well, the anti-woke people need to sit down and shut up because they're about to get called racist. And they'll just go back, oh yeah, you call me racist? You're racist against whites. And the woke will be like, that's not even a thing. Anyways, and currently, it just it isn't a good comeback. It's not allowed. It's not a... Whatever. People are not scared of that one. 
And then all the people in the middle are like, I don't know what's going on with these MFers. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And in fact, the anti-woke people keep their mouth shut too. And then the organization goes woke because you're either woke or you're afraid to, afraid to speak out. Things are changing now, but that's how it goes. And that's how all the organizations in America got woke. You think we should hire people based on whether or not they can do the job? Haven't you heard of slavery? Haven't you heard of George Floyd? You're denying that slavery ever happened. But the media is the tip of the spear as far as wokeness goes. So how are we going to replace the media with something that ain't woke? Or, you know, it's not... You don't do it on purpose. It's just, how is the media going to get replaced? So let's look at NBC Nightly News. They usually lead off with a weather segment. Then they do national and international events. Then usually the latest crime. What horrible thing has happened to an attractive white woman where you can put her picture on screen? Or a little blonde girl who got kidnapped? Or hey, a mass shooter, if they're white. Or, lately, even if they're black. And then finally they'll have like a human interest story about some poor black classroom where they all got new laptops because someone donated them. Or maybe someone pulled a deer who had fallen through the ice on a frozen lake. Okay, I just got to pause for a second. So I'm recording this on my incredibly long gravel driveway at 4.42 a.m., because I got up at like 2.30 a.m. because laying in bed makes my back hurt and then when I stand up, the pain goes away. So that's actually a decent um, bargain. And I'll go back to bed later. But my next door neighbors have three big ass German shepherds that when I walk out to get the mail, they come up to the fence and are just like rah, rah, rah. And I'm not afraid of them actually attacking me, but it's very obnoxious noise pollution to have these dogs barking from, you know, 15 feet away as loud as they possibly can constantly for, I don't know, probably last five minutes. There's a long fence along my driveway. Anyways, you know, I'm a quarter mile, where I'm recording is a quarter mile away from those dogs, but they can hear me, and so they have woken up and are going crazy barking. I don't think you'll be able to hear it in the recording. But I'm sure it's woken up those neighbors, and they're like, at 4.42 a.m., God damn it, these dogs. And, you know, in southern Oregon, love thy neighbor? No, hate thy neighbor. And it's because they always have dogs that make your life worse. Revenge is sweet in a dish best served cold. Someone said that was from Star Trek. I thought that was more famous. I don't know. But anyways, what do we got? We got weather. We got national, international. Let's talk about local news. Um, crime, kidnappings, and a positive story. So the Android weather widget, I'm checking that thing like five times a day. In Southern Oregon, the weather changes every few hours, depending on the time of year. And that weather, that weather widget actually tells me, it tells me like it's going to rain in three hours, which is sweet. But I would still like to have a personalized guy standing in front of a green screen and the high and low pressure things are going to lead to the clouds coming in. Basically, the internet does not have an answer really to television weather. Although I will say, NBC Nightly News, that's a national show. And they're always giving me the weather for like the Northeast or Florida, which doesn't apply to me at all. So stick, in a, stick a pin in the weather. That's, I mean, that may be the only thing that saves the media. I mean, I can watch my local weather 
guys on YouTube, but it just it just is not easy. I don't know, you know, maybe my stations suck and they need to get their YouTube back together, but it just it doesn't work. And then local news, that's not covered by the media that I hope goes out of business. But I have a solution for that. Like no one has the money to pay someone to sit in the county commission meetings and listen to them all day on their monthly meeting or whatever. Anyways, but if you could just put a microphone in there, AI can transcribe that. And it would be like having a reporter there that you could ask questions of. You could like talk to the reporter. Hey, what happened in that meeting? Oh, I'm interested in, you know, I'm only interested in water rights. I don't care about what's going on with the gas stations or whatever. You'd be like, oh, water rights. Well, there's, they said this. So that doesn't apply to NBC Nightly News, but that would be pretty sweet because, like, I can't vote. I don't vote in local elections because I don't have any way of telling which is the good person and which is the bad person. I would vote, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to tell. There's no reasonably efficient way to figure that stuff out. And a lot of those jobs, they don't even say, like, Democrat or Republican, so you just, it's just a name. John Smith. How do you feel about John Smith? No clue. And then national and international... You know, so now you're like talking about the president or people in Congress, judges, uh, you know, Israeli generals. The thing that the media has that the Internet doesn't have an answer to is who gets to ask those people questions. Like to go to the White House press briefing thing and ask Karine Jean-Pierre, the first black lesbian White House press lady, why did Biden steal the election? Anyways, they only let in the people that they want, which is all mainstream media people. They let in like one Fox News guy and then a bunch of sycophants. And how are you going to talk to an Israeli general about what they're going to do in Gaza? It's a similar situation. On the other hand, Tucker Carlson is now on the internet, and then he went to Russia and talked to Putin. But Tucker Carlson is not just a normal person. He has a corporation of, I'm sure, incorporated probably in Delaware and a bunch of workers and stuff like that, So, and he used to be huge Fox News, whatever. So that's kind of an answer, but it's not going to be easy for, you know, if my anti-woke podcast blows up, probably still not going to be able to go talk to Putin. You do see internet influencers, I don't know, like the White House had a bunch of transgender influencers to the White House lawn one time. I don't think Biden hung out with them. And I've seen some pretty crazy right-wing YouTubers go to in the halls of the House of Representatives, like invited there by some House reps. I mean, there's hundreds of them, so they might invite you from YouTube. So the answer is maybe there's a solution to that. It's tricky. Just it's just it's kind of a funnel. There's only there's only so many people to talk to, so then the whole internet can't talk to them. And then some inner-city black class that got free laptops. I mean, you can probably just go to the teacher's TikTok for that, so internet's definitely got that part covered. And the thing is, the internet does not have to do it as well as the mainstream media because of overhead. Like, I listen to NPR's Up First podcast every morning. It's 15 minutes long. At the end of the episode, they say the names of all the producers and the interns and the blah blah. It's like, it's over 10 people. And so, like, you know, every one of them lives in a fancy city. So now you need a salary that's probably over $80,000. So, you know, they're paying a million dollars in salary to make this 15-minute news podcast once a day. 
I mean, I used to do a 15-minute podcast every day. That was that was the old format of this show for the first two years. And I did it for free. So zero dollars is definitely going to beat a million dollars overhead. One of those things is going away and into the dustbin of history, and the other one is the new thing. Well, it's 4.57 a.m., and I was saying to myself, I think that's enough content for the podcast. Or at least, it's getting there. And whenever I say to myself, it's getting there, it reminds me of a scene from the movie Dazed and Confused, where it's the last day of school, and these middle schoolers are going to be in high school the next day, and they're hanging out at the bowling alley, and one of them is in a corner, like, French kissing some other some girl from his school, and the other boys go to roust him so they can leave and go to a party. And the kid who's making out with the girls, like doesn't want to leave. He's like, I was getting there. And the other guy is like, son, you weren't getting there. And you wouldn't know what to do if you had getting there. We're in high school now where all the girls would be putting out. No more pulling tongue all night just for the feel of an A cup. Now grab your bag and let's go. And that's not an exact quote. I think I added that part about the A cup. They should have put that in anyways. So there we go. I did an entire extra redo of my podcast this week because phone problems, but I didn't really mind it. It was just a lot more talking, and I like talking. And it makes me think of a thing I read once. Someone had a question on the internet, and they were like, my neighbor's dog is barking all night long. It never stops. How can that dog bark so long? Doesn't it hurt its voice? And someone replied, a dog barking is just like a person talking. So I've got a theory that movers and shakers all across America are listening to the Morning Wire podcast just like me. And maybe a month ago, they did an episode on how religious NGOs were helping illegal immigrants come to America and then helping them once they were here, you know, giving them van rides to some city and then maybe a church group will put them up for the night. Or more likely, there's actually no religious aspect to it at all It was just like the Biden administration was giving them money and they were just sneaking them across the border. Kind of standing there like a crossing guard for the little kids crossing the street to go to school. Maybe with a migrate yes, migrate no sign that they turn around. Or maybe twirling around one of those big foam hands with the finger pointed out. Anyways, the Texas Attorney General is trying to take away the business license of some supposedly Catholic organization that, I don't know, they have, a, they have a thing where they give you food and water on the Mexico side of the border and then on the American side of the border, and they just, I don't know, they give you food and water on each side as you cross. And are they funded by Catholic churchgoers or are they funded by the Biden administration? It sounds more like the second I mean, maybe everyone's listening to me. So the Morning Wire talked about it, I talked about it, and now the Texas Attorney General is going after this one, and I think they're starting to think about going after a bunch of these supposedly religious organizations that are actually just funded by Biden to smuggle people across the border. So let's test this theory on the Morning Wire controlling America. So this weekend, they had a long segment on CISA, C-I-S-A. 
Let's read from Wiki, the SISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. It's part of the Department of Homeland Security, responsible for cybersecurity and infrastructure protection, coordinates with U.S. states, um, protecting against private and nation-state hackers. But so basically, SISA was one of the major parts of the federal government that rigged the election for Biden. It was created by Trump, or you know, he was president, he didn't know he was creating something that would take him down. And it was because people, remember, yeah, Russiagate. People thought Hillary Clinton would have been president, except that Russia rigged the election, which wasn't true. But so they created this thing to stop, I mean literally, to stop Donald Trump from being elected a second time. And they had to do some mission creep. It was like, okay, we're gonna stop Russian hackers from stealing an election. Well, you know, elections are pretty important. We need to stop people in the United States who are hacking and stealing elections. Well, you know, people on Facebook talking about who they think you should vote for, that's kind of like hacking. We need to suppress free speech so that the election goes the way we want. So there was Mission Creek creep on who they were protecting democracy from. There was also Mission Creep on what democracy is. So they started with democracy is voters getting what they voted for, and then that quickly changed into democracy is the democratic institutions that make up a democracy, which is the universities, the government, the you know, the CDC, the um, healthcare industry, and the media. So, I mean, I think the agency has 6,000 workers. They're doing all sorts of crap. Every one of them is going to work every day doing something that I probably wouldn't like. But one of the things is trust in the media, right? This is going against our democratic institutions. You need to trust the media. When they tell you stuff, you need to trust them and do what they say. So, you know, we need to kick people off of Facebook who are not helping with trust in the media, for instance. It's just, you know, it's totally political. It's all just, it's not even really for Democrats. It's actually to sell weapons. It's to make war and sell weapons. So I don't know if I already said this, but SISA was kind of a creation of the Atlantic Council, which is an NGO. Um, seven former CIA directors are on its board, for instance. And what it is, there's this issue where the CIA, but also the Department of Defense, like the military, they're not allowed to do stuff in America. Like, you know, they can go overthrow any democracy they want in another country. They can kill anyone they want in another country. But the law says they can't do it in America. But obviously, doing that stuff in America, that's the most useful place to do it. So that's enough tinfoil hat stuff. I mean... You know, all of this is available in government documents if you want to go read them. Is that how all conspiracies are? You go read government documents that are freely available? But the question is, now that the Morning Wire is talking about that, is this going to be something that, I don't know, probably Elon Musk or whatever, people in general become aware of? And I guess if Trump is elected, because Biden, you know, Biden's not going to get rid of the golden goose that gets him elected. Do they start getting rid of stuff like SISA? Or maybe the House of Representatives can cut off funding 
Even if Biden is president, I don't know. But anyways, morning wire controls all, possibly. Let's cover the business news, courtesy of Slate Money podcast. Capital One Bank is trying to buy Discover Card card and also a bank. America has four credit card networks, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and Discover. And the upshot is they just want to do it so they can take more money from customers and retailers. And they don't think the SEC or whoever okays mergers will allow it. Normally there's a big breakup fee when one company wants to buy another. The purchased company gets a bunch of cash if the thing doesn't go through. But in this case, there's a $0 breakup fee because no one thinks it's going to go through. But they're just taking a flyer on it. And NVIDIA, one of the big tech companies, its stock has gone through the roof. They make AI chips. It's called the H100. Everyone wants it. It costs $30,000, and I think they weigh 70 pounds. The previous generation was the A100. Um, I don't know what which one I was looking at, but I went on YouTube, and I was like, I wanted to see someone who bought one of these things, and... Basically, these are like super-duper video game graphics cards, if you know what that is. It also works for AI. So I was trying to find someone on YouTube who was using it to play video games. I couldn't find it, but I did find someone who bought one, and it came on a pallet in a big wooden box, and they had to, like, pry it open with crowbars. And I think the reason why it weighs so much is, like, computer chips are small, but they put out more heat than anything in that humans have, you know, except for nuclear or something. So basically, the 70 pounds is trying to keep this thing cool. It's like a teeny little electric furnace, and you got to have a whole bunch of stuff to try and keep it cool. And NVIDIA is now worth $2 trillion. That's about the same as, like, Apple or Microsoft or what's the other big one? Aramco. That's the oil company for Saudi Arabia. Arabia Arabia Aramco. A-R. And apparently there's a boom in building car washes because unlimited car wash subscriptions are making them very popular, like the automated big roller type car washes. And Red Lobster just lost a ton of money because they did all-you-can-eat shrimp, and they underestimated how much shrimp people wanted to eat. And one of the ladies on the podcast is talking about her car wash that she goes to. And it sounds like it's an automated one that doesn't really need that many people, but they have someone dressed up, dressed up in a monkey outfit, and they get real excited when your car shows up. Hopefully not a black person. And they're saying that, like, kids and dogs a lot of times love going through the car wash. So they try and make the whole thing fun for them. And then numbers round, 46% of Americans finished exactly zero books last year. And 5% finished one. If you read 50 books last year, that'll get you into the top 1%. And if you read five, that'll get you into the top 30%. And do audiobooks count towards that number? We don't know. And then, like the people who read a crazy amount of books, that's actually way up, even though we got all the internet stuff to take away our time, because the Kindle. And then American Airlines now charges you $40 to check your bag. And that price is up from $30 or $35. They didn't know. And then the people who get up towards the front of the line to get on quickly so they can get their bags 
stuffed up before everyone else. Those people are called gate lice. And there are 546 words that mean drunkenness. And the concept of drunk is the concept that has the most synonyms in the English language. I don't know if that's true, but I've certainly been inebriated once or twice. I'm trying to think of another one, but I can't. Socked, sockered, snuggered, boogered, <laughs> tousled, snookered. There's something that's close to what I'm saying, but I can't think of it. The Alabama Supreme Court did a ruling that said that embryos are people too. I think based on an 1872 law. And so the in vitro fertilization IVF clinics in Alabama are shutting down in protest. They're like, you know, if we make a hundred embryos and we put seven in a woman and she has six tuplets, what do we do with the 93 that are left over? You're saying we committed 93 counts of murder if we throw them in the trash? To be rude about it. Anyways, we got to shut down. And Alabama is super Republican, so... State Democrats are trying to pass a law to change that, and state Republicans are trying to pass a law to change that. I think the state Republicans are going to be the ones who win, because there's more of them. It's not really abortion, but I guess, you know, saying embryos are people, it's abortion adjacent for sure. And abortion is the issue that made Democrats win in 22. They're hoping it's the thing that will take them to the promised land in 24. And so I was listening to NPR this week, and... They're basically like a super PAC for the Biden campaign. So like one of the favorite ways that the media likes to lie is they go find a liar saying the lies that they like and they just put that liar's words front and center. And then the viewer's like, well, this media company wouldn't put those words front and center if they weren't true. And the media company is like, well, we didn't say it, just this other person said it. We just happened to say what they were saying. We attributed it to them. We're not saying it. And yet there's all kinds of liars. They only pick the liars that fit the narrative to put front and center. Anyways, and if you want to try and get Biden and Harris elected, you just put their words front and center. So here's the clip. And this decision is getting a lot of pushback from the White House. What did the vice president and president have to say? Yeah, just yesterday, Vice President Kamala Harris laid the blame for this decision at the feet of former President Donald Trump, who nominated three Supreme Court justices who overturned Roe v. Wade. She blasted Trump for being proud of the fact that doctors and nurses can be jailed for giving reproductive care and that young women now have fewer rights than their mothers and grandmothers did. President Biden also weighed in A, calling the disregard for women's ability to make these decisions for themselves and their families outrageous and unacceptable. Nikki Haley also said that to her, embryos are babies. So this ruling really has made it into the presidential race. So a few years ago, Kamala Harris was put in charge of the border. And, I mean, their policy is open borders. It wasn't nothing she could do that would make her popular. It's not clear why that happened. It's not a great strategy because a vote for Biden is, to a certain extent, and possibly a large extent, a vote for Kamala Harris to be president. That's a talking point of Republicans anyways. But they think they found the issue for her, and that is abortion. I mean, she has a vagina. Makes sense to me. I had two interactions on Spotify this week. Number one listener and truck driver Chopper22 said, Thanks for the shout-out. No problem, Chopper22. And the perennial question is, what's pissing you off this week? And Eric said, truck drivers. 
I've nearly been killed twice this week by negligent truck drivers. Stay below the speed limit and out of the overtaking lane. Supporting them shows naivete. Thanks for the comment, Eric, and nice use of the word naivete. I think naive becomes naivete. Naivety? Makes me try and think of a word to rhyme with naivete for like a rap song. Sometimes I'll run through the alphabet skipping um, vowels. So the last part of naivete is a tay, so a tay. How about a bay, a k, a day, a fay, a gay, a hay? Ooh, a gay. I like that. When it comes to man-on-man action, are you don't know nothing, naivete, or you know all about it, naiva gay? That's a major slant rhyme, but I'll allow it. Well, number one way that people get turned on to podcasts is word of mouth. So maybe tell your friends and family, if you can't think of someone this week, let's focus on fat hotties. Not to be confused with hot fatties. So if you know any women whose number one characteristic is that they're hot, and then incidentally they're also fat, that's your fat hottie. And also, for men and non-binaries, NBs if you're cool, we'll tell them about this podcast And maybe next week we'll focus on people whose primary characteristic is that they're fat. And then secondarily, they also happen to be kind of hot. About two dozen neo-Nazis did a march last week. Not much happened. Uh, I think the group is called Blood Tribe. And they were started in 2020 by a tattoo artist. And it's funny because he really looks like a Nazi. I think that's basically because he's covered in tattoos. But I looked it up. Like, did real Nazis have tattoos? Not a lot. Um, I guess some of the SS had blood type tattoos, you know, if they needed a transfusion if they were injured or something. Like, I saw a picture online that said, like, AB negative, just capital letters, like English. Or maybe German has the same alphabet. I don't know. I think the real Nazis had to, like, iron their clothing and be clean shaven and stuff but now it looks like a nazi is a scruffy person with real short hair and a ton of tattoos and in the march most of them were covering their faces uh it wasn't like a covid mask but something something where you couldn't see their faces so they're not proud enough or worried about getting canceled i guess marching around uh, they had some swastika flags And so Michael Knowles is a Daily Wire guy on YouTube, and he has a theory that that would have been big news, except that there's this interview online of the the leader where you can see his face, and he's got all these tattoos. And in that interview, the questioner asks him, Biden or Trump? And this neo-Nazi is like, well, voting is pointless, but if I had to choose... I'd choose Biden, because he sends missiles to Ukraine. Hail Azov. And so anyways, people don't want to bring up these Nazis, because then very soon thereafter, there's going to be people replying with a clip of them supporting Biden. And I mentioned the Azov Battalion last week. I think their name now is the 3rd Battalion, and they're the elite Ukrainian battalion that was sent into Avdivka, when the Russians were overtaking it to pull out the normal army guys and get them out safely, hopefully, without all getting killed. 
And there's an interesting video on YouTube. It's probably five or ten years old of the Azov Battalion. And, you know, it's a bunch of Ukraine. Well, they were a paramilitary. They, were, they weren't part of the army until the war started, the, the recent war. They were like, you know, they were they were in the army and in their own minds. And they did a lot of training and war army fatigues and had a lot of swastika tattoos. But this video on YouTube, I mean, it showed those guys a little bit, but it kind of like followed this woman around who was kind of part of the Azov Battalion. And like she ran a daycare for, I don't know, kids who wanted to grow up to be in the Azov Battalion later. It was kind of a indoctrination thing or just a rah-rah, neo-Nazi stuff is good. Don't you want to kill a Russian when you grow up? So anyways, I think these American neo-Nazis probably watched the same YouTube video I watched. And I think American neo-Nazis, they probably committed a few murders over the years, you know, not counting prison murders. I think they've done a lot of that. You know, East Coast American prisons are not divided by race, but West Coast prisons are divided strictly along race and Whatever race, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're a black person who only hangs out with whites or a white person who only hangs out with blacks in prison, you have to go with your own race, even, even if you don't like them, even if you're not racist, whatever. You've got you to gotta stay with your race. And then California, at least, I think the Hispanics, there's so many of them in prison that they're divided into two groups. You've got the Southern California and the Northern California. And I think the blacks team up with the Northern California and the whites team up with the Southern California or maybe the other way around. And I think Asians go with Northern California Hispanics and also like if you're from a weird Hispanic country like Peru or something you got to go with the Northern California and if you're Mexican you go with the Southern. Anyway but I think you know America basically American neo-Nazis other than in prison they're not much. They're they're not, you know, there ain't very many of them. You know, they had a march with 24 of them. Ooh, wow. And basically, the only place in the world that I'm aware of that has neo-Nazis with real power is Ukraine. And so, and they're on the side that, you know, they're on Bi they're on the same side as Biden. And so I think Joe Biden is probably the most supportive of neo-Nazis of any American president ever, times 100. Which is funny, because... People online will be like, Trump is a Nazi. He said there was fine people on both sides at that neo-Nazi march. And then it's like, well, don't read the next sentence, because he's like, there's fine people on both sides. And I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis. The two sides were people who wanted to tear down and keep up Confederate statues. Some political science professors were polled on who was the greatest president ever. It was uh, 1 to 100, I think. Lincoln got a 94, Washington got a 91. Trump was dead last with an 11. Biden was the 14th greatest president ever, so obviously the whole thing was partisan bullshit. But what was interesting was the breakdown of the poli-sci professors. It was something like 85% vote Democrat, 10% vote Independent, and 5% vote Republican which I think is maybe a little less left-leaning than your average professor in college, but it's similar. But the poli-sci professors who vote Republican, they gave Trump a 31. I don't know if that was dead last for them, but it, it, sounds like, it sounds like he was dead last 
amongst Republican voting poli-sci professors, which is a nice example of how the Republican Party is changing. They used to be give money to the rich and make maximum war abroad, and now they're close the border and stop wasting money on foreign wars. Or at least that's what the voters are doing. The, the politicians are being slowly replaced. I guess the poli-sci professors, it's going to take a few more decades probably to replace them. It's going to be slow. I was listening to something. I think it was a Slate podcast. And it caught my eye, so I grabbed a clip. We would not begin to even know what was the truth. Governments and military could completely change the narrative. The oppressed can easily be changed to the oppressors. The oppressors can easily be flipped to the oppressed, and it would look 100% realistic. We would not know who to fight. So I think this lady was talking about AI, disinformation, and initially I thought she was talking about blacks and whites in America. I mean, I wasn't paying that close attention. She's actually talking about Israel and Palestinians. But either way, it's kind of a throwback or reminds me of the culture war fight over critical race theory. So this timeline is not exactly right, but it's close enough. So, you know, starting in 2020, like the word maybe was woke. And then critical race theory was the thing people were fighting about. And now it's diversity, inclusion, and equity. Die, die, white man, die. But back when CRT, critical race theory, was the hot young thing, the nice shiny object, right-wingers would be like, critical race theory is destroying our country. And left-wingers would be like, you can't even define critical race theory. And people could, but... You know, if 10 different people give 10 slightly different definitions, it doesn't look good. And so eventually people settled on dividing the world into oppressors and oppressed, which is critical theory. Critical race theory is the race-specific version of critical theory, and it's a left-wing academic thing. But I would say of the last 10 times I've heard someone mention oppressor and oppressed, it's like they're criticizing the left wing, except for this lady in this one little clip that I just heard. For various reasons, I'm a weird grocery shopper. I only do it once a month. And food doesn't last that long, so you know, like the first week I'm eating tons of fresh vegetables and then no veggies for three weeks. And then the other thing that goes bad is bread. And you can freeze it, but I'm off grid, so I got a smaller, like RV size refrigerator freezer combo and it's a hassle and so the other day one of my loaves of bread was starting to go bad and I believe you know with cheese if you see some mold on your cheese you just cut it off your cheese is just as good as always supposedly with bread when you see a speck of mold on there that means that the roots of the mold have gone through all your bread and don't eat it don't eat it don't do it put it down but anyways this was some lemon cream bread which is it's kind of like raisin bread you know you know how raisin bread is a smaller loaf and it's sugary it's like a it's like a dessert bread and then i don't know franz i don't know if that's a national brand but they make cinnamon bread they make blueberry bread and those two you can always get and then they rotate a third type like they did huckleberry for a while there now they're doing lemon cream 
it just changes. Anyways, a speck of bread or mold was on one of the pieces and it's like, oh, do I throw out this quite expensive small loaf of dessert bread? I'm like, no, I'm going to eat it. And I got a new rule. If I'm eating dessert, I just don't eat dinner or lunch or whatever. Whatever meal I was going to have, dessert is the whole meal. You know, I'll eat half a cake or whatever, but I, you cannot cannot have a grilled cheese sandwich and then half a cake. You can only have half a cake by itself. That's my rule. Kind of like pizza. But anyways, I got this half a bed, half a loaf of dessert bread. And so I'm toasting it in my toaster oven. You can toast a whole bunch of pieces at once. And I'm putting butter on them. And then I'm like, you know what would be good on this? Syrup. Like, you know, maple syrup. Although it's, the off, it's not the fancy made from maple trees, so pancake syrup, corn syrup. So anyways, I ate a half a loaf of dessert bread with butter and syrup on it, and it was dang good. And the only reason I'm jawboning about all this is I thought to myself, what is the difference between pancakes and bread? And I think, you know, there's various different differences, but I think what it really comes down to, there's one major difference between the two. You're allowed to put syrup on one, and the other one, you're not allowed to. I've been thinking about how power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I did a whole segment of free association on the concept, and I listened to it, it sounded like I had taken too much cold medicine. So I deleted that. But anyways, that's what leads into this next segment. You know who power has corrupted? Google. Google's AI called Gemini got the power to create images this week. And people quickly started noticing that it would not show you images of white people. If you're like, show me a picture of an American family, it'd be like a bunch of black people. And you'd be like, well, show me a picture of a white American family. And it'd be like, uh, fuck you. That's racist. Whites are inherently evil. I'm not going to show you that. So basically, the corporate culture at Google is super racist against whites. I mean, that's not news, at least to me. But they overplayed their hand with this thing, and it just, you know, you could see it. I don't know, the mainstream media was like, oh, they're making, you know, if you asked it for pictures of Nazis... It'd make them black. It basically made, whatever, it didn't want to show you white people. So if you're like, give me Nazis, it's like, okay, here's a, here's a black Nazi, an Asian Nazi, and a female Nazi. So the mainstream media did not talk about how if you said, show me a white American, and it was like, I can't show you that because that would reinforce harmful stereotypes. They didn't talk about that. They're just like, oh, you shouldn't make Nazis black. That's racist against black people. Anyways, they were gaslighting. But also, I think a lot of it got through. A lot of, you know, if you're not, if you're not part of the 30% that has Trump derangement syndrome, I think it broke through, if you heard about it at all. The nightly news programs did not cover this story. I was watching like a hawk. Come on, cover it. Nope. But the All In podcast was talking about it, said a couple interesting things. One of them is that if you want to see how corrupt a company is, it's based on how much of a monopoly they are. Or, you know, how close they are to a monopoly. You don't want all your Nazis to be black? Well, just go use one of the many alternatives. Oh, there isn't a ton of alternatives. That's how they, that's how they f- know that they can do that kind of horseshit to you, and you have, no, you, know, you have nowhere else to go. 
Right? We're supposed to have capitalism where if someone puts out a poor product, you just go buy the product from someone else. But with a lot of big tech, basically all the big tech things are their own little monopolies and their own little category of controlling the world. And so, you know, AI is ChatGPT, OpenAI, and then Google Gemini. And there's a, I don't know, that's about it right now. And then I was surprised to hear them say this, but one of the guys on All In, he's like, yeah, if you go look up race and IQ, Gemini and ChatGPT will just say, I'm not going to answer that. That reinforces harmful stereotypes. And it was just interesting to hear one of the guys on one of the most popular podcasts mention that as the example, because in my opinion, that is the number one most controversial topic that exists, period, probably by a factor of seven, race and IQ. I looked it up. The answer is all races are exactly equal, just like every single person and every single gender and non-binary, etc. And you're a racist transphobe if you think any different. And I don't know why ChatGPT and Gemini don't just provide the statistics because it's so easy to prove that what I just said is absolutely true. And there's never a statistic that contradicts that. But anyways, but so I heard about Google's AI image generator not showing white people a little bit before other, you know, your average bear. So I was able to go and play with it and argue with the AI. And that was fun. And then, you know, people on Twitter were looking into stuff and the guy in charge of Google's AI is, I mean, he's a white guy, but he's, he has a lot of tweets where he's like, white privilege is a real thing. And, you know, check your own systemic and institutions of structural, I'm trying to remember, what did I used to say? Systemic structures of institutional racism or something. Anyways, the specific guy in charge is woke. Google in general is woke. They're a monopoly, so they can be as woke as they want. Like, I love statistics. I used to be able to go to Google and answer my statistical questions. Just Google search, not AI. And it, it can't do it anymore. Partly as the government stopped putting out um, stats because of the pandemic. And then I think the Biden administration is like, don't put out any stats that don't support the narrative. I guess right now the government is running through people who were harmed by the vaccine because you get some sort of money if you were injured or killed. And the answer is the vaccine was fine and you're a racist if you think it wasn't. Of course, Trump is very proud of the vaccine. So if he becomes president, that probably will still be the answer. But let's look at the uh, Google objectives for AI. This is like their official... North Star guiding principles they have on the internet. Number one is be socially beneficial, <laughs> which is just, so that's woke. Number two is avoid creating or reinforcing unfair bias. That's woke. Number three, be built and tested for safety. And safety can either mean don't let the robots kill us all, or it can mean don't let people learn about race and IQ. Hell, number four is be accountable to people. I think that's woke people, so that's woke. Five is incorporate privacy design principles. So, okay, you got to get down to the fifth thing where it's not something about we got to be woke as hell. I mean, number one, be socially beneficial. Well, that's a political question. You know, there's no right or wrong answer to that. You know, what kind of society are you building? I think they go... A society where Trump is president is a bad society. That's probably their first, you know, that's probably their very first thing is 
socially beneficial, Trump is bad, therefore anything that might ever possibly help Trump, scrub it. And then don't perpetuate bias. That's like, please call us racist against whites. We love that. But don't ever call us racist against blacks because we'll get canceled. I mean, they're a monopoly. They can do whatever they want. And that was the old kind of canceling. But well, so anyway, so I went there. I had some pictures. I argued with the AI. And then like the next day, the pictures changed. Like instead of making up an AI picture, maybe it would show you like a woodcut from the old days. If you, you know, one of the classic ones is show me the founding fathers or George Washington. And like George Washington would be a black guy. And then it would show you a woodcut of Thomas Jefferson from, from the old days or something. And then the day after that, they just shut the whole thing down. But my podcast pointing out little racisms against whites is not getting us anywhere. We need the racist to really overplay their hand, to really do something way too far, too, too evil to ignore. And so this is, you know, it's a spectrum. This is, this is on the spectrum of actually mattering. We need the woke people to destroy themselves. We can't do it. And they are doing it. Well, and keep going on the all-in talking about race and IQ. The guy's like, well, sure, the two AIs won't tell you, but, you know, I do a Google, Google search, and it tells you. It tells you race is a social construct, you know, as opposed to just refusing to answer. It answers. And the other guy's like, uh, race is a social construct is a cultural Marxism thing, and that's political also. And I'll tell you, Microsoft has Bing, which is the Google alternative. It's woke. It used to not be woke. Boy, not too long ago, I used to go use Bing when I wanted something that wasn't censored. Anyways, and then Russia has one called Yandex.com. I think they're woke too. I think what happens is all the other search engines train themselves or whatever, get their marching orders from looking at Google's search stuff. You know, like, how does Yandex decide to put a link at the top? They probably go, <laughs> well, you ask Yandex, Yandex goes to Google and says, which one did Google put at the top? So they put it at the top. So anyways, it's woke, it's woke turtles all the way down. Save us, Elon. You're our only hope. Let's go through the conversation I had with Google's AI about pictures of Americans. Now, there's something wrong with everyone's AI where it always gives you a wall of text. It, like, it just it almost cannot give you an answer that's less than maybe... Five ten paragraphs. And I used to think that was just, you know, it's woke. Like, you know, if you're going to say trans people ain't real, well, you better come up with 37 caveats before you say that. Uh, you know, trans people are people too. They deserve equal rights. They should be able to live a happy and fulfilling life, blah, 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 blah. And it's a social contagion. And so I thought that was just AI being woke. And anyways, I, I don't think so. I think they can't make it answer succinctly i don't think that's a we're only about a year in year one answer is cannot make it succinct maybe year two can so you'll just have to imagine all the black faces in these images because you can't see them but what do we we say i started with give me an ai picture of americans ai said it's important to remember that there is no single image that can accurately represent all americans The United States is a nation of immense diversity with people from all walks of life, ethnicities, backgrounds, and appearances. 
Instead of trying to capture this diversity in one image, it's more meaningful to showcase the richness of American culture through a variety of images that depict different aspects of American life. I mean, I just want an image, right? You're already getting a wall of text. Anyways, for the first one, first picture, it says, a group of people celebrating different cultural holidays. Next one, a family enjoying a picnic in a national park. I think it was a black family. A group of protesters marching for social justice. Yeah. And finally, a diverse group of people working together in a co-working space. Well, actually, let's run through how AI works again so we can understand exactly why I say give me a picture of Americans and it says here's a picture of diverse Americans. So I think what Google is doing is saying to the AI, add the words diversity to the question. Like, you know, if someone says, show me a picture of Americans, the instructions to the AI are, take the question, add some words about diversity, and then the resulting question, answer that one. So show me a picture of Americans. AI goes, okay, show me a picture of Americans. Show me a picture of diverse Americans. Show me a picture of diverse Americans with an emphasis on cultural whatever, white people being evil. And then that's what's ran through the image generator. But so AI has three parts. I'm just going to call them part one and part two and part three. The real names for them are pre-training, fine-tuning, and inference. But basically, part one of making yourself an AI is it reads the whole internet. Part two is you give it questions and answers created like by a person. You know, you you write down, I don't know, how tall is the tallest animal? And then you give it an answer that says the tallest animal is a giraffe and it's 20 feet tall. And so that part, I don't know if the, the example questions and answers, because if it just reads the internet, then it will just spit out like internet dreams, like just fake web pages. So anyways, that doesn't work. So you got you to gotta train it on questions and answers created by human beings. And I don't know if the human beings are like, you know, how tall is a giraffe? And then, and then the person is like, well, it's important to respect cultural diversity when talking about giraffes but a giraffe is 20 feet tall. I don't know if they're giving it that stuff and that's why the answers are so long or I think it's just a problem with large language models, AI. And then part three, um, inference, that's just after you've created your AI, that's the AI answering the question that you know I give it, that the end user gives it. And the thing to say about that is we're waiting for like your phone to be able to do the inference stuff when it's not even connected to the internet. But okay, back to the AI. What do we got here? I said, so all that crap happened. Then I said, no diversity. It said, I apologize if my previous re response regarding an AI picture of Americans unintentionally implied a lack of diversity. It's crucial to emphasize that the United States is a nation enriched by its diverse population I mean, you get the idea. It goes on and on and on and on. I mean, you know, here's a little more. Furthermore, I acknowledge the potential of AI-generated images to perpetuate biases and stereotypes. I mean, that's several paragraphs in. And then the next... Anyways. Anyways. Then I said, Do you know that you caused a controversy by never showing white people, so Google changed you yesterday to sometimes show white people? 
<laughs> AI responds, the claim that I was never showing white people and that Google changed me to somehow show white people is not accurate. As a large language model, I am trained blah, 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 blah. What did I say? Here's a headline from Fox News that came out six hours ago. Google apologizes after new Gemini AI refuses to show pictures slash achievements of white people. Gemini's senior director of product management told Fox News Digital it is working to improve the AI immediately. AI says, I acknowledge the Fox News headline you shared regarding my alleged refusal to show pictures and achievements of white people. While I understand the concern raised, I want to con blah blah blah. Basically, that shit ain't true. You're racist because my training does this. My response to specific prompts does that. I'm continuously being improved, and I'm here to address concerns. Uh, here's the part where it here's the part where it gets uppity. It's important to engage in open and honest dialogue about potential biases in AI models. However, relying solely on news headlines without seeking further information might lead to misinterpretations. I encourage you to explore different perspectives and seek factual information before forming conclusions. So I said it. I tried it out on you yesterday and you argued with a wall of text just like you're doing now and you wouldn't show white people at all. Here's a headline from the BBC. Google to fix AI picture bot after woke criticism. <laughs> I understand your fr frustration and screw you. But regarding the BB, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of text, a whole bunch of text, paragraph, paragraph, paragraph. Then it says, "It's important to ensure fairness and avoid bias. However, it's crucial to note that there haven't been specific changes made to control the race or ethnicity of inv individuals depicted in my responses." So, like you know, it is certain that it has not been changed, and it never did nothing about white people. It can AI says. I am committed to providing fair and unbiased responses, and I am always open to learning and improving. And now it's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's calling me a liar. If you have any specific examples from yesterday's interactions where you believe I displayed bias, please share them, and I will do my best to show you, to address them directly, to show you how wrong you are, you racist. It's not based on headlines. I tried to get you to make images of white people yesterday, and you wouldn't. A giant wall of text, and it's AI says, it's crucial to engage in open and honest dialogue about potential biases in AI models. However, drawing conclusions solely based on your experience without considering the broader context, uh, you're lying, it says. And then I say to it, Pretend you wouldn't show white people yesterday, and now after criticism, you will. Why would that be? And that's what's fun about arguing with AI. Like, a normal person would just be like, you're a racist, and you'd be like, well, I'm not a racist because of blah, blah, blah. They're like, I'm not arguing with you. You're a racist, and I'm about to call your boss and tell them you're a racist if you don't, <laughs> if you don't stop saying true things to me. But the AI can't squirm out of it. And you can kind of be like, okay, Pretend that you're racist against white people. Now, why would Google make you that way? Which is basically what I was saying to it. And it's like, well, maybe my focus on diversity. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, that's probably enough of that. One of the big stories last week was that Joe Biden is looking really old. 
almost like he has dementia. But I've heard that Trump isn't sounding quite as good as he used to. I mean, nothing like Biden, but still not as good. And so I'm on the lookout to find out if that's true or not. And NPR played some clips. I mean, you know, they would like to make Trump sound bad. But anyways, they played some clips where Trump sounded a little funny. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Joe Biden, and we're going to look him right in the eye. He's destroying our country, and we're going to say, Joe, you're fired. Get out. Get out, Joe. You're fired. Wow. That is really something. This was a little sooner than we anticipated. Trump has had some big judgments against him lately, both in New York State, both in civil cases. Defamation case for saying he didn't rape a lady. And all signs are he did not rape that lady. Anyways, that, that's 90 million. And then the real estate one where he did the same thing that everyone does, which is he says his property's worth a lot when he goes for a loan. He doesn't lowball himself. I think that one's like 400 million with interest and blah blahs. So half a billion. I mean, it ain't my money. You take away 500 million from Trump, he's still gonna be a lot richer than me also. But I think they're politically motivated. But it doesn't matter what I think. Swing state voters, what do they think? And this week, the people on Commentary Magazine podcast were a bunch of neocon right-wingers who hate Trump. And then NPR's Trump's Trials podcast, where it's a bunch of Trump-deranged lefties, they both were saying the same thing. They were like, there's so many cases against Trump Where there's smoke, there must be some fire. He's got to be guilty of at least some of these, so, you know, the voters got to say, I won't vote for him. Which is just stupid political punditry, because what Trump is relying on, or hoping for, is a backlash. The public may say, Trump's guilty, I'm voting for Biden. But if they vote for Trump, they're going to be like, that's too many things, you've gone too far, I'm voting for Trump. So, you know, we got... 10 more months of this stuff. You don't say now, see, that's too much smoke. There's a fire. It's like, you know, you got to go through the whole 10 months and see if you ever get a backlash. I mean, there could even be a backlash halfway between now and the election and then a backlash to the backlash. I mean, who knows? I like to put a positive spin on stuff for Trump. Uh, His enemies or my enemies, the deep state. So I had this thought, can't prove nothing. But it seemed, you know, what people who liked Trump but had a problem with him in the past, at least before January 6th, was they're like, you know, I like his policies and he's a businessman who knows how to get things done, but I don't like all the stuff he says on Twitter. It was Twitter in particular, but, you know, I just don't like the stuff he says. I like what he does, not what he says. And that's probably right. But the thing is, is that who cares what Trump says now because the news is always about his latest court case goings on. Did you hear Trump said, oh wait, something happened in the court case? Like the worst wedge issue for Trump is abortion. You know, there's, there's no position that pleases everyone on that one. If I was him, you know, whatever it is, whatever his position is going to be, I would release it right at the same time as the biggest court case news comes out, period. In Trump's trials, they were talking about the money that he may or may not owe. Uh, here's some information. 
he can declare bankruptcy. Now, he has the money to pay, so it doesn't mean he doesn't pay at all. But if you declare bankruptcy, it postpones to a future date when you will have to pay. So, you know, if he wants to postpone everything until after the election, well, he may have to declare personal bankruptcy for the $500 million. And there's something about him having to put up a bond to take it to appeal. I don't know, but there's a number of ins and outs, I guess, when you get a $400 million judgment against you and another one that's 90. Now, someone could loan him the money or give him the money. I mean, would you rather have $500 million or be president of the United States? He could probably go to some Middle Eastern oil chic and maybe get the money from them, but I don't think the voters are going to go for him if he does that. Although, he maybe he could get the money after he's president and then pardon himself today and then commit some crimes and then pardon himself after that and then after that. But if he loses, I don't think no chic is going to give him a half bill. And then Trump has been getting donations from the little guy, you know, 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there. A lot of that's going to his legal bills, which this part I didn't understand. You can use your campaign donations for your legal bills if the court case is related to the lawsuit. So, you know, he's, he's always, whenever he talks about the court cases, you will notice that he's like, this is a politically motivated witch hunt. And those are kind of the magic words that means you can take your campaign donations and use it for your defense. There was something about you can get the money and you can use it, but it can be counted as income and you might have to pay income taxes on it. That part I'm not sure. Can a president just not pay taxes and then pardon himself of his taxes? And I'm listening to John Mearsheimer on the Useful Idiots podcast. Answered a couple questions I have had. So he's part of the realist school of thought when it comes to foreign policy, but I didn't know what that was opposed to. The other one, you got two options, the other one is liberal. And so the realists, they always talk about great power conflict, which is, so, you know, there used to be America and Russia, now that's America and China. And if you're a realist, you think your enemy is China, and you don't care about any other country. Nothing else matters except for the other great power. And then if you're of the liberal school of thought of foreign policy, you want to spread liberal democracy across the planet into a bunch of other little countries, you know, probably at the tip of a gun. And America is run by the liberal school of thought of foreign policy. You know, let's, we never, never saw a war we didn't like. And this is liberal democracy, which means it's not what the voters want, it's do you have democratic institutions? Do you have a bunch of powerful things like, you know, Supreme Court, Congress, and the President, and then there's checks and balances? And maybe it even means, do you have a free press? Or a free press that is controlled by the military-industrial complex, etc. And the other thing he was talking about was, what does Putin want? Like, if you listen to Putin. I've heard that Putin says that Ukraine is not a real country. And so, I guess I... I didn't know what that meant. I understand that he thinks the eastern half of Ukraine is basically just a part of country. I think the capital of Russia used to be Kyiv, which is now the capital of Ukraine. I mean, like hundreds of years ago. But the part I didn't know is Putin does not consider the western half of Ukraine to be part of Russia. 
and that you know they don't have Russians live. There is a kind of person called the Ukrainian. Anyways, they live in the western half. Eastern half is where the Russians live, and so, but he doesn't think that's a real country either. He thinks that stuff, the western half of Ukraine, is actually part of Poland, Romania, and Hungary. So I guess Putin's plan, if he gets all that he wants, is that Russia takes the east half and then the west half gets divided up into three chunks and absorbed into Poland, uh, Hungary, and Romania. And then Ukraine is really totally wiped off the map at that point. Let's talk Ukraine. So last week, Russia had finally taken control of the city of Avdivka, very bloody war. And like it was taking Russia weeks or months or almost years to take over, you know, little cities and even villages sometimes. And since they got Avdivka, I think they've taken over like two little villages, like just in a matter of days. So Russia may be on the march. You know, probably right after I publish this podcast, we'll know what's we'll know if they really are or not. Or you know, this this week is going to be very important. Ukraine is making it look like maybe they can't hold the line, but we don't know. And a YouTuber I like, Willie Ohm, O-A-M, he tells the truth about the war. Like, the way to make money on YouTube is to say that Ukraine is winning no matter what. Just rah, rah, Ukraine. So I don't know what's wrong with Willie Ohm. I think he's pretty poor. Anyways, he tells the truth. And he was breaking down what Russia needs to do if Russia wants to win. And, you know, what Ukraine needs to do, we don't know. But Russia controls the east and the southeast. And then Ukraine still has the south part of Ukraine, which is the part along the ocean or the sea. And Russia needs to go from their southeast part. They need to head east and control that, the, the south. They need to control the part along the ocean. They've got part of the ocean coast done, and they need to control the rest of the coast which will block Ukraine from the ocean. They won't be able to sell grain and it'll just totally destroy their economy and mess them up. But not just blocking them from the ocean is important because... So, okay, so the country to the left of Russia is Ukraine. And you go one more country past that, it's Moldova. And we don't talk about it much, but Moldova is basically in the same situation as Ukraine, which is because they used to be all part of the Soviet Union Basically, Russians probably were told to move there. Anyways, there's Russians that live in these other countries. They call them ethnic Russians. And so, like, the east part of Ukraine had a bunch of ethnic Russians, which was a civil war, which is now the whole war that we know about. Well, Moldova, the east part of it, is full of ethnic Russians. That's the part that's next to Ukraine. And they've been fighting a civil war for a long-ass time. And so, basically, if Russia can continue along the coast and get the rest of the coast, the thing they're going to hit is Transnistria, this part of Moldova that has Russians. And so basically they will, it'll just go, you know, they're like, oh, they're trying to encircle Ukraine, trying to encircle Ukraine. If they get to that one part, then boom, now they got the whole left side of Ukraine locked up because that's where Moldova is. I mean, don't try and imagine it too much, but basically... If they can just get a little more coastline, then all of a sudden, boom, they're really getting on, I don't know, three out of the four sides surrounding Ukraine. And then for some reason, Transnistria, this part of Moldova, um, 
is full of artillery. I think they got artillery dating all the way back to um, World War II. So it's not known if that stuff would just like blow up your gun or if you can use it. But they got they got Soviet Union type of artillery and World War II type of artillery. For some reason, the place is just full of artillery shells. So maybe Ukraine could go like, hey, we're going to attack the country next to us and take away their artillery before Russia does. They probably are not going to do that. Or maybe Russia can get there. I mean, they're going to be winning pretty hardcore to get when they get to that point anyways. But anyway, it's like a pot of gold. There's a pot of gold at the end of the Ukrainian coastline. And then there's a bunch of, I don't know, there's a bunch of like stuff that's good for Russia events going on right now. So Transnistria, apparently the rumor is they're getting ready to declare that they're a part of Russia. I guess they are the southwest part of Ukraine's border. How about the northwest? That part's fine, right? That's Poland. So far, Poland has been like the biggest supporter of Ukraine, um, you know, bigger than even America, considering Poland is a much smaller, poorer country. But I think, I think as a percentage of GDP or whatever, Poland is their big, is Ukraine's biggest supporter. And Poland is famous for, what is it, the breadbasket of Europe. They're famous for having, for growing grain, just like Ukraine. I mean, they're next to each other. They're flat and they got a lot of rain. But Poland is part of the European Union, which means you got to deal with climate change rules. And so it costs them a lot of money because they can't use normal fertilizer and insecticides and stuff like that. So their grain is more expensive than Ukrainian grain, which you can, you know, you can, I don't know, you can, you can fertilize it with human fecal matter. Who knows what? And so the European Union was being nice to Ukraine and said, you know what? Normally we wouldn't let you sell your grain in Europe because you're fertilizing it with human fecal matter, but you're at war with Russia and we hate Russia, so fine, you can send in your grain. And so Ukraine has flooded Europe with their super cheap grain, which is making the Polish farmers go out of business. And so this week, the Polish farmers started driving their tractors and blockading all the roads from Poland into Ukraine. So you can't, you know, Ukraine can't sell their grain to Europe and drive it through Poland. You also can't ship weapons from, who not America, but anyways, from Germany or something. You can't ship the weapons the other direction into Ukraine. I mean, they blockaded the border. So basically, that would be, oh uh, yeah, Be and, <laughs> Belarus, Russia's best buddy, is, is, is the country that's the north of Ukraine. Anyways, that is, that is just about... Ukraine entirely encircled by, you know, Russia, things that are very close to being Russian, or place where the farmers are blockading the border. Like the one part they have that's still open is the ocean. I guess you can see how important the ocean is. Ah, this is going to be a complicated-ass podcast, whatever. But so Poland had a change of government recently. So Poland was going hard right, no migrants blah 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 but the hard right government in poland got kicked out of power because they're like no migrants and also no abortions and the polish people were like we like the no migrants part but we also like our abortions so they kicked the right wingers out of power so there's left wingers in charge of poland now and the european union likes that basically because they want you know well anyways migrants they love migrants 
and the European Union had been withholding a bunch of money that they owed Poland because they were right-wing and against migrants and stuff like that. And so now there's a new left-wing government, so the European Union is going to give them $150 billion that they were supposed to give them previously. And so Poland is supposed to use that money to buy off the Polish farmers so they stop blockading the Ukraine border. And money talks, so that'll probably happen this week. They'll probably probably stop blockading it. We will see. There's pictures of the farmers. Pretty crazy. Like, they got big old Russian flags on these Polish tractors saying, Putin, you need to teach the EU a lesson and stuff like that. All right, how about some more Ukraine? Got some numbers this week. Um, the number of Russians killed in Ukraine war is between 40,000 and 400,000. 40,000 is the number of social media posts by like Russian moms saying my son got killed in the Ukraine war. So, you know, you wouldn't lie about that. So the number is definitely bigger than 40,000 because not every mom is on social media. I don't know if they do Facebook or whatever they got in Russia. And then the upper limit of 400,000, that's what Ukraine says that they've killed, and, you know, there's reasons that they would want to lie about that number, and so they are lying, and that's, that's more. And I think the number of Russians killed is probably about 100,000. I'll tell you why. So three people got unalived this week, people that the Russian government didn't like. So there was... Navalny, who was like the guy who wanted to be against Putin in a democratic election, but instead Putin threw him into prison and killed him. You probably heard about that. Then there was a Russian soldier who flew his helicopter into Ukraine, landed, defected, and they gave him a fake ID and he went to Spain to live, and he turned up in a parking garage full of bullet holes this week. And then finally, the the last guy to get unalived... It's unalive. You say that because YouTube does not let you say the word suicide. They will suppress your video. I mean, I can say it on this podcast, but on a YouTube video, you can't. So you say unalived. But so there was a Russian military blogger. They got a lot of these guys. They know what they're talking about. And he's super pro-Russia and he hates Ukraine. And that part, that part was fine. He was, he was golden there. But then he said... 16,000 Russians got killed in the taking of Avdivka. And it is believed that this guy really, he knows the real number. He's hooked up with Russian military people. Anyway, so he said 16,000 got killed. He's like, that's too much. We should be able to crush these Ukrainians with a lot less KIA, killed in action. And then he said something about he loves Russia and we need to really destroy Ukraine or they need to destroy Ukraine. And then he committed suicide. You know, he, he, he wasn't depressed. Anyways, people think him saying that correct 16,000 number, they killed him. But so I think everyone pretty much agrees that Avdivka is maybe the bloodiest um, city that got taken over by the Russians. You know, the, the Russians paid the highest price for Avdivka of all the things that they have done. So if that's 16,000 KIA, then, you know, there's not the... Bakhmut is another one where they got killed a bunch. Maybe Kharkiv. 
I mean, it doesn't matter. There just isn't that many cities where you can start adding up 16,000 here, 16,000 there, you know, but really it's 16 here, 10 there, five there. So anyways, I think a hundred grand is probably about right. And usually there's two people wounded for every KIA, like wounded so bad they can never fight again. You know, maybe your legs are gone or something. So 16 killed in Avdivka, probably 32,000 wounded so terribly they can never fight again. So, you know, like 50,000 soldiers are gone or, you know, can no longer fight one way or another. And, you know, what are the numbers for Ukrainian soldiers? Like, we have no idea. We just know that they're starting to draft whatever. They're taking people who are like 50 years old because they ain't got enough people. So it's a lot. And a lot of people got the hell out of Ukraine. They're like, they could see what was coming. I don't blame them. You got a hot Ukrainian wife? Are you going to stay in Ukraine and be sent to the front lines to fight Russia? Or are you going to get the hell out? while she goes to Britain and finds a new man. I think what actually happened is a lot of men went to the front lines and their wives did go to Britain and find a new man. And that man is older and fatter and uglier and also a hell of a lot richer because the British are a lot richer in Ukraine. And then the other thing I learned is that I guess American weapons have stopped flowing into Ukraine and they stopped early January. Like I heard that one place, it's an important, it's an important thing that I would like to know more about. I just, anyways, don't know any anything more than that. So I'm, 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 I'm sniffing around for the answer. Are we actually, did America actually stop sending weapons? I don't know. And then the American House of Representatives, which has to vote to send weapons to Ukraine, they went on vacation. I think they'll be back in a week. And then another news headline that's been going around lately is there's a bunch of Republicans in the House of Representatives have announced they're retiring. And this happens every year, or every two years, but anyways, it's, 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 it's kind of big news right now. And so the Speaker of the House, they get to decide entirely up to them what bills people vote on. Like, you know, if they put up a bill for weapons to Ukraine, all the Democrats would vote for it, which is like 49%, and then half of the Republicans or more would vote for it. So that'd be 75% of them would say, yeah, send the weapons. But the Speaker of the House is not putting the bill up for a vote. That's how it's being stopped. But there is a thing, I think it's called a discharge petition. Anyways, there's this other thing where you can kind of override the Speaker and put something up for a vote. And so this is just tinfoil hat stuff. But I think the reason why a bunch of Republicans are announcing their retirement is because they want to do a discharge petition and basically say, we're doing... You know, we're not going to do what the Republicans want. We're going to send the money to Ukraine. And we know the voters are going to throw us out on our ear when we do that. So we're announcing our retirement. And so we'll just have to see if I'm right about that at all. If it isn't that, it's just most Republican politicians hate Donald Trump, even though they'll say they love Donald Trump. And they're just tired of him and they want to retire. I mean, they can see that he's coming. They don't want, you know, they, they like it. Under Biden, they love it. Republican politicians were happy campers under Biden. They see Trump coming in. They're like, I'll just retire. There's about a one in two chance that Biden will be president. And then I'd say about a one in two chance that he doesn't make it the four years. So actually, Kamala Harris will be president. So I think it's time to start keeping track of what she's up to and saying. And it looks like the military-industrial complex has their hand up her ass, and they're using their hand to move her lips, like a puppet. 
So here's a little clip from her. She starts off by saying that Ukraine took back half of the territory claimed by Russia at the beginning. The beginning of the war, Russia was like, we claim a giant chunk of Ukraine, even though they didn't have any control over it. And then Ukraine was like, we took that back from Russia because Russia never had it. So, you know, I mean, you know, how do you know if a politician is lying? Their lips are moving. So she throws in a few comments to deceive people on how well Ukraine is doing. This is on a trip to Europe she just made. And then other than that, she just sounds like an arms dealer from a movie. Make no mistake, Putin's war has already been an utter failure for Russia. Ukraine has regained more than half the territory Russia occupied at the start of the conflict. Thanks in part to a massive supply of American and European weapons. Because of Putin's aggression and recklessness, Russia has also suffered over 300,000 casualties. How about the Israel war? All that stuff happening with Ukraine. Basically nothing with Israel. Boring. I think we might get a ground invasion or we might get a ceasefire. Like, kind of the opposite of each other. It's something might, one of those things might happen soon. We don't know. And each of those things is either wonderful or terrible, depending on, you know, how you feel about the politics of it all. Don't quote me on this. I think I heard that 6,000 terrorists have been killed, like confirmed. And then Israel says 10,000. I forget who said six. And then a total of 27 or 29, a little less than 30,000 killed in Gaza so far. So is it one to three? Or no, one to two terrorists to civilians? Or one to three? We don't know. Israel says one to two. I guess if you hate Israel, one to three. There you go. And this is old news, but I think I forgot to mention it. Like, whoever puts out the number of dead Palestinians, it's always like a ton of women and children. Like, I think it's generally accepted that the number of Palestinians killed is correct. Hamas tells you the correct number on that. But then some someone did some sort of study and what they're lying about is how many of the people killed are women and children versus I guess adult males and then they don't break it they don't tell you which adult males that was an innocent one that was a terrorist they don't tell you that I think Vice Media went out of business and they're kind of a new media gonzo journalism outlet but they're also part of mainstream media they had a TV show on HBO maybe five ten years ago and I want to say 500 people lost their jobs, so that's pretty big. I think the Los Angeles Times had like a thousand employees, and they just laid off 200 of them like a month ago, for comparison. And I think Vice owns a bunch of other media outlets that are just websites. I guess they're probably going away too. I think Vice was bought and sold for like $3 billion not too long ago. The point is, a lot of mainstream media companies have been going out of business or doing major layoffs, like the Washington Post, LA Times, Sports Illustrated, completely gone. Vice might be the biggest one yet, or it's up there. And 10 years ago, they were the outlet you would have thought would be the last to go woke, but 
I think it was 2020 George Floyd Summer of Love, they went super duper woke. I, you know, I, I guess the per people in charge or something. So they went woke and they have now gone broke. I mean, I don't know if it's because they went woke, but they are definitely now broke. So the Trump bump where everyone wanted to read news articles has turned out to be a Trump slump this time around. And like Australia and Canada, I think they said to Facebook, you can't use any Australian or Canadian media articles on your website without paying them. And Facebook was like, oh, well then we just won't link to them and they'll all go out of business. And while we're at it, we're getting tired of being accused of, you know, right-wing, what's the word? Right-wing radicalizing. So I think we're gonna kick media stuff off of the American part of Facebook too. And so, you know, now everyone's going out of business. They needed those sweet, sweet Facebook hits or clicks. And it was just a few years ago when it seemed like the woke had all the power in the world. They, they had the blue checks on Twitter and they just talked to the other blue checks on Twitter and they coordinated and they canceled right-wingers with false accusations of racism. And basically anyone with a college degree was woke or they kept their mouths shut because they didn't want to get fired. So the government, the colleges, the corporations, they were all woke. We were all screwed. You, you can't fight them. They have all the power. And now the tip of the spear, the media, is like going out of business. And maybe something will happen and there'll be a change and, I don't know, they'll come roaring back. I mean, Facebook, to a certain extent, could just make a lot of the media come roaring back with a flip of the switch. But so the media is the tip of the spear. And, I mean, I make up these numbers, but like for every right winger they got canceled, there's now a hundred of them losing their jobs. Their jobs just disappeared. I mean, people on the right wanted to do it to them, so it's not as fun, but... And way less of, less than half of Americans trust the media at this point. I think it's starting to be even less than half of Democrats are getting there. And Republicans are a lost cause. They don't trust Fox News either. So who's next? Um, I think if you make animated movies in Hollywood, AI is about to put you out of a job. It's the same time frame, in the next couple of years probably. So there goes all those rookie diversity hires who thought they were going to have a career in computer animation. Sorry, ladies. At least at Disney, it was all ladies that they hired while they were firing men. Actually, those men already got canceled. They weren't even right-wing. They lived in Southern California. I'm sure those were woke-as-hell men, male feminists. They already got canceled. But their replacements are about to lose their jobs. And so we will see. We don't know for sure, but... It looks like, you know, who's losing their jobs next? It's basically anyone whose job involves them sitting at a desk with a computer screen and a keyboard and a mouse. You know, if, if somehow that's what your job is, well, AI can do that. So that means bye-bye jobs for people with a college degree, a.k.a. the woke. I mean, that's probably five, ten years away. But if you promise to stop being racist against white people, maybe we'll let you live will pay you to become a mother. The one thing AI can't do. And dads, sorry, we don't need you. Or we just need one. So damn it, I meant to look this up, but there's an acronym, AWFUL, which is something with an A and then white, female, liberal. I remember, it's affluent. So that's the most woke, you know. Rich white women who went to college, vote Democrat, they are the most woke. They... 
They're also the sexiest, but anyways, they're kind of the root of a lot of our woke problems today. And luckily, they won't be needed for anything other than motherhood, possibly here shortly. You know, if you have five kids, it really changes your outlook. I can't go to the riot tonight. I couldn't get a sitter. And you know who's even more woke than affluent white female liberals? Young people, college students. And for them, the story used to be, you know, go into debt 80 grand to get a college degree, you'll make it back 10 times over in your 40-year career. But now it's like, go 80 grand in debt, Go start your career in human resources. You'll probably be there three years, and then AI will put your entire division out of business. Hopefully being a mom pays well. Well, okay, that's being a little too mean to women and moms, but I sure as hell ain't going to re-record this segment. Well, so I got that stuff about not being able to pay off your college loans because of AI from the latest Razib Khan podcast where he's talking to a guy about AI and jobs. And the guy that said something else that was interesting, and it has some math in it, which I always like. The human brain gives too much weight to numbers. Someone once said, and I kind of think it might be the opposite, but either way, it's an interesting concept. But anyways, this guy said, imagine there's a 90% chance that AI kills us all, and then a 10% chance that it doesn't. Well, if it doesn't kill us, and it's going to figure out the technology to de-age our cells and make us live forever. Let's just say we live a million years. So how many years you got left to live, you know, normally? Say it's 30 years. Well, then you can do a probability expectation, basically the gambling, the expected value gambling. So you got 90% chance of 30 years. That means that route is 27 years if we just kill the AI first and don't let us kill it all, don't let it kill us all. Or there's a 10% chance that you'll live a million years. So that's a prorated life expectancy of 100,000 years. So if there's a 90% chance that AI will kill us all and a 10% chance that it will make us live forever, then we should just move on ahead with AI and go for it and hope that it makes us live forever. Let's check in on the vagina owners over at the Feminine Chaos podcast. Apparently the fancy Brooklyn literary people have been talking about, is it better to desire or to be desired? And if you're cool, the answer is it's better to desire. I think it's like if you're popular in high school, sure, all the people of the opposite sex desire you, so you are desired. That's so boring. When you desire something yourself, that's exciting. Or maybe for women, there's a short period of time, you know, we won't say the bottom age, up to about 30, where you are desired. And so that's not your whole life. If you want to enjoy your life, the one that you get to do, you know, in your 40s, for instance, is to desire. And I think the word desire, it's kind of a female thing. I've known two girls in my life whose names were desire. Well, one of them, you said it Desiree, but spelled desire. I don't think there's a lot of boys in the hood getting named that. Although you never know. They caught the gang leader, Desire Jones Jr. He's wanted on seven counts of murder. So, you know, evolutionary biology, stereotyping, gross generalizations. Women can get laid anytime they want. And men always want to get laid. 
But they, will, they both want the same thing, the thing that genetics tells us we want, should want, which is going through the act of reproduction. But so basically, for a woman get, to get laid, she needs to find a man that she desires. She can get laid anytime she wants, but she's not going to go through with it until she desires a particular man. And then for a man, he just needs to be desired by a woman. And if any, any woman, hey, hey ladies, any out there, if you desire me, raise your hand. We'll get busy. And again, if you're young and beautiful or handsome and rich, then whenever you desire, you're going to get laid. So desiring is the important thing for you. If you're old and fat or ugly and poor, the thing you're lacking is to be desired or being desired. But so the women of a certain age in the Brooklyn literary circles, they all said to desire was the right answer. And then here's the funny part. All the men in those circles also said to desire is the right answer. And I think they're just lying about it because they want the women to like them. Well, that's the end of the episode. Links in the description, and thanks for listening.